in my my naive head, like going to the gym with a trainer was just running on a on a running machine. But obviously, it's so much more, and I've learned loads. Welcome to Forever Young, the health and well-being podcast from Lanzerhof. My name is Mario Pedazzoli, and in every episode, join me in conversation with a variety of health experts and special guests as we explore what it means to live well. We may not find the secret to eternal youth, but join me on our quest as we explore just what it means to live a balanced, healthy and happy life. Hello again and welcome. Well, so far in Forever Young, we have been in conversation with a great number of health and medical experts in their field, ranging from sleep to heart health, nutrition to mental well-being. And along the way, we occasionally also speak to those in the public eye from other walks of life, giving us a fascinating insight into their lives, and in particular, how keeping fit, well and active has helped them as they juggle their careers and workload. Which all leads me to our very special guest today, the British designer and bespoke tailor, Joshua Kane. Known for his cutting-edge suits and imaginative style, Joshua's rebellious approach to the art of tailoring has captured the heart and imagination of fans and A-list celebrities alike, dressing international icons for the red carpet and stage, such as Ozzy Osbourne, Rod Stewart, and Tom Holland, to name but a few. Welcome to the show, Joshua Kane. Thank you so much. That introduction was uh, was so fabulous. I feel like I need to go back and rewrite <laughs> my uh, bio now after that introduction. Well, look, um, welcome, Joshua. It's great to have you. Thank you. And you. Um, particularly uh, after uh, we had to cancel two weeks ago, I know you weren't very well. So how are you today? Most important question. Well, my voice is probably back to about 80%. Whereas uh, I think two weeks ago, it was on about 6% where I could barely even uh, order a coffee and press. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's getting better. But uh, the, the nature of the beast is I never stop talking and I never stop fitting people and I'm always doing something. So uh, get, getting a chance for my voice to recover is never easy. And um I know it's your birthday tomorrow, is, in fact. It is indeed. It is. 37 tomorrow. Very good. 37 years young. And, uh, well, this podcast will be released on the morning of your birthday. Oh, fantastic. There you go. That's a good start to the day. But look, lots to talk about today, um, including your own health and well-being choices. But before we do so, maybe there are those listening who are maybe less familiar with your, your world. Uh, and career achievements as a bespoke tailor. So would you like to share with us your, yeah, your story? Yeah, of course. Which, which version would you like? <laughs> <laughs> Long, well, short, or intermediate? The honest version, and we can uh, beep over any swear words. Okay, okay? great. Um, the story <laughs> can be quite long, but I'll, I'll try not to uh, to waffle on too much. And if I do, just, uh, you know, just warn me. Um, but I started my own company uh, about eight years ago in my bedroom. Um but prior to that, mm. uh, I was a bespoke tailor, trained as a bespoke tailor, uh, graduated from Kingston University, where I trained as a, a BA fashion designer. Um, and then, yeah, trained as a bespoke tailor in my spare time, obviously graduated. Then I moved to New York and I worked for Brooks Brothers in New York, which was my first job, uh, before coming back to the UK and working for, for Jaeger Menswear. Uh, doing about three or four years there before then going to Burberry Prawsome and uh, designing the, the runway collections with the likes of Christopher Bailey, who was a um, creative director and CEO at the time, uh, before then going to work for Sir Paul Smith for four years before eventually starting my own business. So yeah, I, uh, 
I finished working for someone else, I, I decided that um, my suits were, I was making in the spare time for myself were, were, were getting so much attention from other people that maybe I should uh, take a shot and start my own company. Um, which was really how I started. I just, I always made my own suits because I loved expressing myself through my clothing. Uh, and I just sort of got a bit well known for, for dressing a bit differently. And so many times I'd be out at events and people would ask me like, where do I get that suit from? And I said, oh, I made it. And they would be like, no, but no, but actually, mm -hmm. where's it from? And I said, but I actually did make it. And I would take business cards and they would ask, can you make me <laughs> one? And I obviously said, no, I'm working for someone else. I have no time whatsoever. I'm only working seven days a week. The fashion industry is very, uh, very relentless. Uh, and then when I started my own company, I just went through the, the top drawer in my uh, dresser through all those old business cards. And I said, you know, remember that suit that you wanted making? Uh, I now have a bit of spare time if, you, if you'd like to come and visit. Um, and that was really my first, uh, my all my first series of bookings and appointments. I made up a fake email address that was an assistant that didn't exist, so I looked slightly more professional. Yeah. Oh, very good. Ironically, no one ever met her. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? Out of uh, interest. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cat. That's your alter yeah, ego. Yeah, exactly. Cat still comes out every now and then. Um, <laughs> At weekends. Yeah, so that, that's how I started. And then um, fast forward and uh, eight years later, I, you know, I got my own store about six months after working from home. I took a, a short a short uh, let on a little shop in, in, in Spitalfields in, in East London. Mm -hmm. uh, and that became uh, a short let of a week where I wanted to hire it for the space for a week end up becoming three years. Um, and then, uh, and then I moved into W1 where we have the store at the moment. Well, that, that's great. And, um, those are rock solid foundations actually listening to all of that. And, and maybe can I ask, what was it like working for Sir Paul Smith, who clearly has achieved so much as, as a British designer himself as well? Yeah. I mean, honestly, just really incredible and an amazing human being, such a, such an amazing opportunity for me to sort of work under someone who's done it all. Um, and, and from going through the fashion industry to running his own business and, uh, and just being a really lovely, humble gentleman, you know, that it was really incredible just to sort of see all of that take place. And do you consider him as a mentor today as well, or are there others you look uh, up to? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I mean, definitely someone to look up to, but I wouldn't necessarily use the word mentor. I, I think that would sort of more imply that I was still in touch with them and mm. I'm not, but, but, you know, an incredible experience and opportunity for me to work there. Incredible. And, and actually, you've given us a flavor already, but you, you've clearly worked very hard to get to where you are today. Um, very relentlessly for a lot for I mean, it, my own company has only been eight years, which is relatively nothing, but seven days a week, and probably 20 hours a day, without, uh, without over exaggerating, sometimes longer than 20 hours a day. Uh, on the build-up to shows and events where we literally tirelessly work through the night. It feels it feels like double than eight years, mm. let's, let's put it like that. It, re it reminds me of the, uh, what, what's the saying? It, it takes years to become an overnight sensation. Uh, yeah, I like that <laughs> saying a lot. I like that a lot. And, um, and obviously, there are, you're right, you, you work to deadlines, um, and there's clearly an, an amount of stress that comes with that. Um, what have you learned about your own character in, in times of adversity or under pressure generally? I think I, from my experience, I've just sort of been molded to have an incredible resilience, like uh, that, that ability to just to get up and keep going on no sleep under huge amounts of pressure um, and, and adrenaline. I think the, the resilience and, and the 
And the finding a way to always meet the deadline one way or another is, is something that all of those experiences have taught me. And that's just sort of inherently inbuilt in me now that I always meet the deadline one way or another. And uh, presumably you have a team working with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, we've got a, a very small team, actually. We're probably only five full-time. Um, and post-COVID, uh, the stores moved to appointment only, actually, which is which is a transition I never thought I was going to make. We used to have three members of retail team on the shop um, seven days a week. And then post-COVID, it was, uh, it was more just obviously for health and safety, appointment only, one customer in the store at a time. And then we found our customers loved it so much being the only person in the store and feeling really, really special and, and booking an appointment that we actually stuck that way. And, and it's been actually, it's been a, a business changing decision. Uh, I never would have done it if it wasn't for, for, for COVID because I always felt like the, the anxiety that the shop has to be open, people have to be welcomed. But actually, what we found is people feel more welcome being welcomed in one at a time and having a private appointment. Um, and it means we're never interrupted mid-fitting, and it means just people just have a, a much better experience. And from the business perspective, we actually found our appointment-to-sale to ratio just sort of uh, doubled because, uh, you know, I guess it just sort of siphons out people that just want to have a look around, uh, which they're yeah. so welcome to do by appointment. But it just means people do their research a little bit more and take their fittings, I don't know, perhaps a little bit more seriously, um, which is lovely for me because I, I love – I love really spending time with people that, that have thought about the the suit they want to have made or the ready-to-wear suit they'd like to order or, or, or any uh, anything in between. And the fact they have gone to the trouble to make that appointment means they're more qualified as a potential customer. Yeah, exactly. I, guess, I, think, I think it just well. it just means they're a bit more passionate about um, what they're going to do with their time rather than just sort of like walking past the shop because and then wandering in because they've got an hour to kill. Uh, well, you know, which is also fine. It's a, it's a way to work. But I think as I explore new ways to explore the luxury market and find ways where customers can experience something new, um, I find in a, in a more controlled setting and environment, we can do that. And for example, when someone's making an appointment, we don't just book them in. We say, have you visited the online store? Is there anything that you're looking for? Is there a particular style of the website you'd like to see? So it allows us to curate their fitting in a much more organized fashion, which gives them a better experience. And for me, that's 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 where high-end luxury is, the potential it has to go is to, is to know your customer before they come in. Um, and then that way, they feel even more unique. That That is one important way to differentiate isn't it is just to make it so highly personal yeah exactly and that's what i love to do i always like to think is the the shop is like my living room and i'm just hosting someone in my living room and showing them a good time um and the narrative mm. is normally around clothes however the shop has turned into a bar every now and then so you know <laughs> i like the sound of this i'll be making an appointment after yeah, this podcast. <laughs> welcome to so uh, actually i have a question on covid um, interested to hear, as a business, your experience uh, through such a challenging time. Uh, I imagine, with everyone locked away, there was it was more challenging and 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 less demand for bespoke fitted uh, tailoring. Yeah, would you say? I, I mean, of, of course, it was it was it was a terrible, terrible run. Anyone in any form of retail or fashion or uh, or even indeed entertainment would be able to tell you that it was a terrible run. Um, however, we weren't completely quiet. 
we do have uh, a growing demand for um, wardrobe design for movies from anywhere from Hollywood to Netflix to ITV that uh, I'm really fortunate to design. So I, I design a lot of things for on screen. Um, and actually the amount of time where production on TV and film stopped was a lot smaller than say uh, events, for example. So people were still needing uh, you know, costumes for filming, although filming production was on a bare minimum. But it was still happening for a lot of a lot of the lockdown. So uh, you know, we were working on some things for some films and movies and Hollywood shows that are coming out uh, right at the beginning of next year. So it's usually around sort of twelve month lead time. So that was really fun. That was really creative. It gave me a good opportunity to still keep designing, still keep the um, the the characters in mind, the 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 design, the designs in motion, and it also gave us a great opportunity to to sort of I don't mean literally take stock but sort of metaphorically take stock of where the collections were going what the emphasis on what we were doing is how we can increase our customer experience how we can grow our network how we can collaborate with more people so you know i tend to always fall on the positive side of things and there were many positives that came out of covid and it's really as a designer i feel like actually it creatively i'm better for it because that opportunity to slow down, and like I said, I've been working incredibly long hours for a, for a long period of time. That opportunity to slow down actually allowed me to step into some other areas of design I wouldn't have probably had time to step into at that point in my career. So, yeah, actually, actually, a lot of positives came from it creatively. No, oh, that sounds fantastic, and 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 yes, it sounds like you've reflected and used the time strategically as to what yeah, areas to exactly, take your business. Exactly that. Very good. Um, You've been described as a, a rule breaker uh, and yeah. challenging the status quo. Would, would you would you agree with that? And, and maybe give us some examples. I mean, one hundred and ten percent. I think uh, I think you have to. I think I think I've never wanted to follow rules. Well, I, I, inherently, I see limitations within rules that I like to break. And I think that comes from my design ethos as well. You know, you, you like as a, as a tailor, I was trained a certain way to make things and that's great. And that was one person's version of how to make things. And then I always think I was always taught once you know the rules, then you know how far you can break them. And I think that's so important to, to keep the design evolution uh, going, you know, and to keep, from a tailoring point of view, to keep that going, it needs to keep changing and needs to keep evolving. Otherwise, it's not current. And if it's not current, it'll eventually die out. And I think if the suit does not evolve and the way that the suit is designed and worn doesn't, uh, doesn't evolve, then it will cease to be relevant in the not too distant future. And I think that was always been my approach to, to keep pushing and changing something I love so much um, so, it, so it maintains. Uh, examples of that would be I don't know. I think I think probably everything. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, you've got a very distinctive look. Uh, first yeah, of all, well, exactly. I guess the the proofs in the, in the images, uh, and I, I could give you so many different examples, just from the way that, that we make a suit to the way that um, we're a fully vertical design house. So uh, I design and weave every single fabric in the collection in every single suit. All fabrics woven in England and everything tailored in London and. That might not sound rule breaking, but it's it's the way that we approach fabrics and textiles is very, very, I would say, avant-garde because I want 
the suit is the, the the first thing that you see and the first thing that the brain looks at is the fabric, the color, the texture, the pattern before you're looking at the shape of the silhouette. And I think to own our own fabrics um, rather than a lot of other design houses where if you want to get a suit made, you're presented with stock books of fabrics that every other, say, Savile Row bespoke house has to offer. Um, but we just don't do that because I've always I always think that um, tailoring should reflect someone's personality. It's, it's what yes. you are on the inside, worn on the outside. And what you are on the inside is not the same as everyone else. So your fabric should have the opportunity to represent that without going too deep in it on a Monday. No, no. <laughs> yes, on a Monday morning. Uh, but looking at your cuts, they seem, you know, from a distance, looking at uh, and the research that I've done, you, you seem quite classic nonetheless, but there is a flourish and a and a twist that you like to add. And that's the personality side of things you maybe just refer yeah, to? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, we have several class, more classic suit shapes for, for, for customers that just want really beautiful colors and patterns and fabrics. But then we do a lot of things that are, they walk the line between like couture costume and, and high-end fashion. And I love that. You know, I'll always dip in, back into the 18th century and pick up like frock coat pattern shapes and tail coat shapes because I love it. It's theater, it's, it's drama, and it's exciting. And I feel like every day should have a bit of theater in it. Um, you know, you, you'll, you'll find me on a Friday night just like running around in a tailcoat somewhere having a blast. But I love it. It's not for everyone. But like, again, it's just that's just a bit of my personality or eccentricity that I like to let out. Yes, that, that, that really does come across. Um, the industry itself, before we let's, we'll move on to your, your health and well-being, which uh, I've got some... Uh, I know will be uh, really interesting to everyone, but the, the rise of um, bespoke clothing. Um, have you seen that yourself? The industry itself is a bit of a crossroads, isn't it, with fast fashion? It, it's not sustainable, is it? And, and are people now more prepared to invest uh, in, in, a, in an item that they will keep for years as opposed to this you know, you know, fast fashion approach with some of the high street chains? I, I, I would completely agree with that. I think I, we've seen a, a big trend, and especially coming out of lockdown, and people wanting to invest in quality, people wanting to invest in luxury, people saving up and trading up their purchase as an investment of something that they can wear and keep forever. And also makes them feel amazing. Like you, you have to remember, we spent a year and a half in pajamas on our sofa on Zoom calls, basically. Mm, yes. And no one put a suit on in so long that now I feel like, London's alive again and every, everyone's kind of wanting to look in the mirror and feel amazing about themselves and kind of showcase themselves, um, you know, whether they're going out or booking that wedding that they finally have to not rearrange for the third time after multiple uh, closures. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's a really great time for people to kind of like rediscover themselves and, uh, and dress up again and enjoy themselves. Mm, so, so true. And uh, actually, you, you mentioned lockdown, maybe... A few of us are, are cuddlier as a result and put on a bit of weight yeah. during, during the last year and a half. Um, so, so let's maybe move on. I find it goes on. one way or the other. Some of our, some are, but then some people just went on crazy home health and fitness uh, routines to keep themselves occupied. So it, it, it really, it really does go either way. Did you manage to keep fit and well uh, uh, during uh, during the last year and a half? Um. Probably not at the beginning, but towards the end, uh, I definitely was searching for something else to do uh, at, the, at the end, um, you know, on, in terms of exercise. Um, 
I'm an avid skateboarder. So um, as soon as we were allowed to sort of go outside again, I, you know, I, I dusted off my skateboard, which is like an actual incredible workout skateboarding. If you're, if you're doing it to a, a high enough standard, uh, it's, it's probably closest to rowing in the fact that it does every upper body and sort of lower body uh, muscle all at the same time. Uh Yes, and we all fell in love with skateboarding this summer, didn't we? The Olympics and Sky yeah, the Olympics, Brown, I think. Yeah, incredible, incredible athlete. Yeah, the uh, it's, it's it's very strange that uh, yeah, skateboarding as a as a as a as a sport and a culture is suddenly having like what I would describe as a second coming after after being present for so long. Now it's big business and it's it's big competitive money business. So uh, it's getting a lot of uh, a lot of marketing. And is that something you've done all your life? Skateboarding? I got my first skateboard when I was about nine years old, and I've not put it down since. I see the skateboards appear occasionally in your photos. Yeah, shows. yeah, yeah. I always like to, I always like to bring it in. It's it's part of who I am, and uh, and I think it, you know it ties back into kind of that rebellious side of me that I love, and that goes with skateboarding. The whole concept of skateboarding was, uh, you know, it's it's a rebellious sport. I mean, it was you know borderline illegal uh, when it started. You know, uh, kids in America breaking into houses to to use their empty pools to to, to skateboard. You know, it, it has a inherently rebellious side to it, and and I love that about it. And I think uh, it definitely reflects a, a big part of my personality. In fact, the, the skateboards I've seen in your shoots are, are highly designed, presumably by yeah. you. Yeah. Um, is is that something you would do for Sky Brown? Why don't you design a skateboard? I mean, I, I would I would love to, but. Uh, I feel like uh, the the Nike uh, endorsement and sponsorship might. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe that might conflict slightly for some contracts. But hey, true, if she's true, listening, true. given the opportunity, we could we could make a beautiful polka dot or handstand skateboarder from the collection. <laughs> we'll send this podcast on to her people. Um, and the other interesting fact uh, about you and your background, you were. Well, football is is also a game you like to play, and you 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 did play to a very high level at I one did, point. Tell yeah. us about that. My uh, my my father got me playing football from a very very young age, and uh, I played. Uh, I played for several teams, but I uh, you know I, I played through all through the uh, the semi pro levels up and uh, and then I was training with Fulham as well up until the point where I where I stopped playing, um, which was incredible i mean I, I loved playing football and i sort of actually started playing again a little bit more recently but i i, I didn't play for about 10 years after i stopped playing when i was about 21 and that it was a strange thing for me because i always loved football but as it got more serious i also was very conflicted because i was an artist and a designer and training to do that and i felt like it was just another person in me i felt like i had a split personality disorder because there was the football side and the art side and one was just always fighting with the other to, to get more time doing one of the other activities football occupied so much time but then so did art and fashion as i was get as i was beginning to fall in love with it as a young man and i just had to make a choice you just there was not enough time to do both and uh at, at fulham particularly uh, was the training it gives an insight into the training uh, was it as advanced as it is now um, in terms of keeping I mean, fit I, I and well and structured yeah i don't think anyway i mean i see i see that the way that the, the the young boys and girls are now trained at that level and it's incredibly technical um but not to say that it wasn't for us back then but it's a it's a lot how do i say it, it feels a lot more serious now 
Whereas back then it was uh, a lot of gym, a lot of training. And uh, I was a goalkeeper. So I actually trained more with the ball uh, and on the ground than a lot of the other, the other players uh, where they were doing a lot more sort of distance and a lot more like uh, cardio work. Uh, where I was always just rolling around in the mud, just picking up balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if, if Fulham, let, let's just dream show, if Fulham got to the FA Cup final, you'd be the perfect choice to make this their suits, no, on Cup final. Well, actually, I've, I've wanted to do a football team's suit for about two or three years. Um, I really want to do that because I think that would be so cool to have uh, a British tailor do a British team's suit. Um yeah, no, it would be a perfect connection. And like, I know a lot of footballers and they're like, they're generally people that love to kind of dress up and express themselves, you know? Um, and when I was at Paul Smith, actually, we did have the contract for Manchester United. So I actually designed and tailored uh, the Man United football team for a year, uh, which was a lot of fun. So I went up to Old Trafford and I, I met uh, like Ronaldo and Schmeichel. Like he was like a player. Uh, it was a player. I think he was the goalkeeper coach at the time. Um, so I met a lot of like, and Taylor, Brian Giggs and Sir Alex Ferguson. So that was a lot of fun. Great. Uh, well, do you, st- you said you still play or you, you, you're. Th- I just recently started uh, picking it up again, actually. I played, um, I played just before lockdown started. I played uh, on the pitch at Goodison Park. Uh, for like, a, it was like a charity uh, kind of sort of testimonial charity match thing with a lot of old famous uh, Everton and Liverpool players. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Played 90, well, it was a 90 minute game. I think I played about 75 of that, uh, which I was impressed with. <laughs> uh, and, since that, and then since that, I've been playing a little bit more. So yeah, I, I didn't play for a long time. And then for the last year and a half, two years, I've been playing a little bit more. But um, I, it's just time. It's just time. Like to, to find a group of guys that we play with regularly, I just can never commit to a regular, uh, a regular slot, a regular allocation. And, and I'm, you know, I don't want to let anyone down, so I don't want to commit and then not show up. Well, there's a, a slot available as goalkeeper in our five-a-side team, Joshua. Oh, really? Okay. You want. We can talk about, <laughs> we can that. Talk about that. But how do you? You look fit. You look fit and well, and uh, obviously Thank you like to skateboard. How do you? What's a typical week look like for you? And maybe talk a little bit about your nutrition as well. Yeah, I just started eight weeks ago um, with a personal trainer. So the first time I've ever had a, a personal trainer, and I'm actually completely obsessed with it. I never thought I was going to be the gym guy. In fact, I I kind of like teased my other friends for several years who had like regular training and you know they're always posting instagram stories in the gym at six in the morning i'm always like yeah nice one yeah good and now i'm that guy like i've turned into that guy and i'm i I love it um i I guess i'm really competitive and i like goals and i like targets and obviously i like aesthetic um because i'm always tailoring myself but um yeah I've, i've always been slim but never that strong i guess not since i finished playing football um, and I don't know, I just had a sort of a, a bit of a change about, uh, nine, 10 weeks ago where I just wanted to feel better. And I wanted, uh, to feel better inside myself, if that makes sense. Um, and I just sort of, uh, I met, uh, my trainer now, a chap called Luke, a really, really lovely chat, um, through a really good customer of mine, actually, a good customer of mine organized some hospitality. So we all went out together. 
Um, and kind of my experience with personal trainers was never very good because when we used to train and play football, we would literally train until we were physically sick doing hill runs and stair runs. And being shouted at in my mid to late 30s isn't, I'm used to being the boss, so I'm not used to being told what to do. So I, 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 I always poo-pooed the idea, right? Like I didn't want to do it. And I met this chap and he was so lovely. And he was just said, hey, like, just come for a session. Like we can talk about it. Um, and I was explaining, like I had a lot of old, like niggly injuries, like um, Achilles and like my ankle was, I'd rolled at skateboarding, you know, when it's like blows up. And I've done that several times. So it didn't have much flexibility in my left ankle. Uh, and he said, like, that's all stuff we can work on. We can work on training it. We can work on, uh, like, extending its flexibility. And I was like, oh, okay, well, like, that feels like it has purpose. I'm not just running. And my, my naive head, like, going to the gym with a trainer was just running on a, on a running machine. But obviously, it's so much more. And I've learned loads in the last nine weeks, so much about my body and what I, what I do to it and how to counter it and how, how I can uh, better it. And very, very strangely, I found myself designing differently in the last nine weeks because my my mental headspace has changed so much from just the 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 the, the training that I've been doing with him. It's it's really changed like a lot of different outcomes from me. It, it's it, it's without without sort of exaggerating, it does feel like a, a borderline revelation for me. And I can see why people just feel good about themselves for training. And I can see why people get really obsessed with it. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm absolutely loving it in, in short. <laughs> well, um, no, well expressed. And, and it's true, isn't it? Training with a trainer, there's, you're training with structure. Um, they're taking a preventive approach, looking at the whole person. Uh, and and all you have to do is just turn up and uh, with a very good trainer uh which uh you know makes the world of difference in in your in your results that you achieve yeah yeah exactly and it's um yeah i, I actually couldn't believe how quickly the transformation began as well so uh he, he wanted to train three times a week but I, I don't i don't even have anything to do three times a week no i know i don't have three times a week at uh, slots but so we're doing once a week and I'm doing two, he's given me like some home exercises to do twice a week to kind of keep a consistent uh, regime, let's say. Uh, and that's been, I've been really enjoying the home workouts too. I really, I really love it. I've got like a, bought an exercise mat at home, so I'm not on the carpet. Um, and uh, yeah, just doing just some groundwork and just some general strength things and trying to uh, build up my upper body um, and, and really just turning some, some, some fat to muscle really. Uh, I've been the same measurements for 20 years since I was 17. The first ever suit I made was 17 and it still fits. I, I don't wear it, but I, I've, I've not changed shape, but I don't necessarily want to now because I definitely couldn't afford to alter my entire wardrobe <laughs> to, to get any bigger. But yeah, t- t- turning fat to muscle and just being more toned, leaner and stronger is something that I'm, is the goal, basically. That, that's what I said to him when we started. Very good. And of course, there are mental uh, benefits, mental well-being benefits as yeah. well. Do you feel more positive as a result, more energized? Oh, hugely, hugely. And, and it's so weird to say that I feel more confident because I'm a very confident person. Um, and I've always been confident in my suit. But it, it's strange that I feel more confident or more comfortable with myself. Uh, and having that, and it's like a weird thing I look forward to at the end of each week as well. I usually train on Thursday afternoon or, or Friday lunch uh, with him. And, it, and it's so nice to have that to look forward to. Um, and it's so nice that if uh, 
you know, I've had uh, one too many espresso martinis in the week that I feel <laughs> I can, I can, I can counter that by knowing that I'm going to be working out regularly and having that slot. So I don't feel sort of the guilt for, uh, you know, having a few too many drinks or staying up on too many late nights. Mm. Uh, and, and what about your, not only espresso martinis, but your, 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 your intake generally, uh, nutrition, uh, wise. Yeah, I mean, that's changed a lot too. Honestly, that's changed a lot um, through through his counsel and through his suggestion. Um, uh, and I've really taken on board some, some his suggestions. I, I haven't eaten meat since I was, oh God, about 21. So quite a long time. Uh, but I love fish. Um, uh, and Japanese is my favorite food. Uh, so lots of, I, I used to eat a lot of um a lot of pizza, which is bad. That used to be my favorite food, but I'm really trying to cut that out uh, because not that I don't love it, but I just feel like eating healthy and training, like it just feels like I need to do it. Like I'm, I'm very obsessive compulsive. When I start doing it, I'll be really, really strict with myself. So I'm eating a lot of, um, a lot of fish, a lot of sushi, um, a lot of rice dishes, like hot rice dish, like Japanese hot rice dishes that I, um, I'm unfortunately not, uh, experienced in the kitchen whatsoever when it comes to making food. So uh, unfortunately it is an Uber Eats um, seven days a week. Um, but I also, that comes down to time as well. I work late every day I'm in the office. So it's kind of like, I'll leave the office at, you know, anywhere between eight to 11 PM. And it's just kind of ordering food on the way home, having it ready for when I get back or eating in the office. But um, yeah, e eating a lot of fish and a lot of rice and a lot of vegetables is, is kind of the name of the game at the moment. Well, if you like Japanese cuisine, consider yourself invited to the Arts Club. Uh, QB, the Japanese restaurant there, is, is outstanding. Oh, okay. thank you. And that, you, what, you do work in a very demanding industry. How, how do you best relax and unwind at, at the end of it all, apart from espresso martinis? Apart from espresso martini. Uh, I would say that comes back down to skateboarding or spending time with my friends. Um, I, I always find like my friends are all doing really amazing, interesting, exciting stuff. Uh, and I find that um, spending time with them is really, uh, really creative for me. Uh, I kind of like muse off a lot of my friends. And when I talk to them and hear what they're doing, like it just like get, it gets my brain going and just keeps me like really, uh, really in tune and really excited. Very good. And do you, what's the future hold for Joshua Kane's store? Uh, I started a video game company about a year and a half ago. Um, so I've been creating my own video game for, yeah, probably nearly two years, but it's been in solid production for the last uh, 15 months. Um, and that's, that's a very, very exciting project. It, it's basically like I, I wrote like three movies worth of storyline uh, for characters that I created. Uh, and, and I'm creating like a, a single player open world video game that tells the story of, of characters that are featured in my runway show. So it's a, it's a whole universe of storytelling and world building. Um, and it's a really fun way that a, a younger audience and someone that can't necessarily afford two and a half thousand pounds on a bespoke suit can still live the aesthetic of my brand and still live the stories and still enjoy it over and over again. And I think that's uh, that's like the long and the short of it, but there's also like, there's, there's so much that's gonna come with that. There's a whole digital tailoring world that I'm creating, which is one-to-one uh, -one, uh, digitally stitched versions of my real life garments that are gonna create digital pieces of art um, 
uh, and featuring all manner of exciting things. I don't think the creative part of your brain ever switches it's, off. I it? mean, it's sure. actually overpowered the normal <laughs> side. It's just, it's just, it's on, it's on overdrive all day long. That's fantastic. To round off, uh, what advice would you, life advice, would you like to leave our listeners with, you know, in terms of how you live your life and your approach to life generally? Oh, there's so many different things. <laughs> I, I think, um, I think two things that I always, that I always find really key is to something I learned at university and something I still do now. I was never the best um, designer in my class at university. I graduated with the first, but when I started in the first year, I was, I was one of the, the weakest students and it wasn't that I wasn't good at it. I just wasn't very good at sort of following briefs and all that. And I just very headstrong. But what I found is just by working harder than everyone else in that room, that it allowed me to overtake everyone and it allowed me to sort of surpass people. And that was just with real hard work and determination. And, and, and it sort of goes without saying that obviously hard, weight, hard work gets you places, but having that determination and that will and that drive to ha work harder than everyone else in that room is, is really probably the reason that I'm, I'm sat in this, in this store now and, and I've managed to make a reputation for myself. And that's really, and it's, it's really just down to hard work, drive, enthusiasm, and, and, and making great relationships. Well, great way to end the podcast. And uh, thanks for being so open and honest. It's been fascinating listening to your story. And uh, happy birthday for tomorrow. Thank you too. so much. And uh, I look forward to arranging an appointment online. Yeah. <laughs> and, I look forward uh, to uh, holding up the sticks for your five-a-side team. <laughs> yes, exactly consider that done okay joshua all the best thank you very much and uh well we'll speak again soon